Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about a new scientist reading uh, from the 12th of September 2020. It's called Beyond Ancient DNA. I've sort of been reading through new scientists and been doing other things, other things recently. I've got to do um, automation such that it's a more transparent thing from my mobile phone into a, a podcast. I have to actually do the software in the background for it. Also, the new scientists, I've, um, sort of as I've read more deeply into uh, science, I've, I find there's, there's less and less that I can actually relate to or, or get my teeth into where... Yeah, I like a read section. And I say, oh look, I've got a, I've got a really fundamentally different angle, angle on this. So I, it means that I sort of can't really podcast or go through. So this is uh, a feature beyond ancient DNA. So this is the idea of people's obsession about um, what, what our lineage is, and uh, it's important early on that, that their initial analysis was that we are not related to Neanderthals, but um, we as modern humans don't actually have anything. How are you going there, Lily? Be fun? So I've got a friend who's jumping on our trampoline. The other trampolines passed, unfortunately. Okay, so proteins extracted from fossils of strange, archaic humans could fill the gap in our evolutionary story, says Colin Barris. So it is interesting we now call them uh, humans, um, ancient, ancient humans. That So our ancients are not homo, all homo sapiens. It's um, Neanderthal, Denistonian, uh, and possibly a new a new person. And so this is by Colin Barris. Now, proteins uh, really uh, is the... Uh, is each protein corresponds to a DNA sequence. So a DNA sequence, a protein is... A, a, a tiny strip of DNA. There's a, a whole lot of heap of other DNA, or, or you know, the fact that you've got a protein there is a, a whole sequence of things. It's a protein that's not unique to the species. It's, it's not in the species DNA, and it can be expressed under a whole heap of different uh, different scenarios. There, I'm going to read this through. So it's interesting. To, we've got suddenly got the DNA tools. And now we're pulling back and sort of looking at other other tools and interesting things to do with them. Uh, protein sequences can be probably read like DNA sequences. Okay, it was an, an astonishing discovery. A chamber deep underground packed full of ancient human remains. The excavators who uncovered the fossils of South Africa's Rising Star Cave in 2013 described the experience as, quote, breathtaking and, quote, emotional. Uh, they took a proper look at the bones, and exhilaration gave way to bewilderment. This new species of ancient human, which the researchers called uh, Homo naledi, so this is, you know, this is yet uh, it's got Homo forens, which is in the 2000 to 2010. This is a new one. Um, okay. It had another combination of primitive and modern features that was impossible to know how it was related to other uh, ancient humans, ultimately to us. Um, about 20 years ago, it looked like the 
human evolutionary tree was coming into focus. Then paleontologists started finding ancient humans like uh, Homo neraldi that are so strange it is as if they were walked off the pages of Tolkien fantasy. So t Tolkien has the Hobbit. You know. uh, we can't expect ancient DNA uh, expect ancient DNA to help resolve their place in the human family tree because most of these misfits cousins were found in places too warm for genetic material to survive. The trail seems to have gone cold. I think 65 degrees is is the maximum. 65 degrees for just any amount of time, and then uh, 40 degrees is a whole heap of other things. Yeah, years. In the past few years, however, we have learnt to read these signals in other organic molecules that tend to survive longer than DNA and persist even in warm environments. Researchers have already well, they do if it's they're encased in teeth or something which microbes can't get to. Researchers have already analysed samples of proteins extracted from ancient bones and teeth to reveal the relationship between ancient mammals. Now, some think they could reveal the, how archaic humans like H. Norelde evolved and interacted. I'm confident that it will be possible to put some of these very unusual hominids on the family tree, says Matthew Collins at the University of Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, it's, it's almost... Um, if you've got a very successful person, their success means that they affect their environment and that success and environment pulls them away and leaves evolutionary stragglers which go forward. This is it in general. So if you're very popular, it's always very interesting that the um, environment evolves to shape evolution as much as what's inside the DNA and so they found that looking at dinosaurs all of the dinosaurs were pulled into the same body shape but from different different branches of their tree into the same body place because their environment if you like can, uh, and, and predators created a mould for them to fit into. Human hybrids it's no exaggeration to say that ancient DNA has transformed our understanding of human evolution. It confirmed that our ancestors interbred with Neanderthals between about 150,000 years ago. It revealed the existence of a distinct group of Stone Age humans we had never recognised before, the Denisonians in East Asia. So Dennis was a hermit and he was up in the cave and he, it was Dennis's cave, and he was just hoping that this, he was allowed to actually, um, I suppose a hermit, hermit would obviously not want to be famous, political, and so he's now most famous. Um, perhaps a species called Homo erectus. So the Denisonians themselves mated with Homo erectus. And the Homo erectus was... Uh, two million two hundred thousand years ago, and Neanderthals were two million the, the ancient things. In other words, ancient DNA has revealed the Stone Age world was populated by many distinct human groups that, despite their genetic differences, uh, were more than willing, willing to interact, interbreed in the paths crossed. Well, you can imagine that. Hmm. Ancient genes can't tell us everything, though. 
all of the revelations came from, and lusses of DNA from living people and samples of a handful of ancient humans who lived in cooler parts of Eurasia within the past 50,000 years. We could learn a lot more by analysing even older genetic material, but DNA tends to fall apart over such time spans. Uh, that means we are missing vital genetic information of, uh, from most of the human evolution history, which arguably began around the time of H. Erectus. Now, they had this thing that uh, was it Jurassic Parks, the DNA from the blood. That's bizarre. Furthermore, DNA is completely silent on our earlier, more ape-like hominid ancestors who lived in Africa from about 7 million to 22 million years ago. So, there's nothing recognisable behind 2 million years. Um, it, this is where proteins can help. Large, complex molecules, they are built from smaller components, amino acids that occur in sequences according to instructions encoded in genes. So they contain the same sort of information as DNA. We have known this for 65 years that proteins, or at least bits of them, might survive in the fossil record. The problem was that studying them was always too fiddly and difficult. I, I don't, well, you can amplify DNA quite well because DNA is built for amplification. Proteins, they're built to do a machine. Things changed at the beginning of the 21st century with the development of new techniques. They involved adding electrically charged ions uh, to the ancient and fragile protein fragments, uh, which means the molecules that uh, run through a machine could, uh, called a mass spectrometer to quickly identify the amino acid sequence. Hello there. They're lovely high heels. They're not too painful, are they? Um, yeah, so this is where, uh, this is photonic things where mass spectrometers, you can actually just rip through pieces of genetic material. Just so I think within 20 minutes they had the GNN genomic sequence of the um, um, people, Paris, um, Paris people, the Paris um, terrorists. So things are really improved. So you put, for each piece of protein, you put an iron on it, a heavy iron, and then you can really rip it apart and see what's going on. I think you really need to, and it says anyone can do this as columns. And they have every reason to analysing the fact, this beautiful part, anyone can do it and take it across. I wish I had that ability to stitch stories together. Analyzing the fragments of the protein in this way can offer insights into human behavior, including what sort of foods uh, people ate, and even clues about their sex lives. The accepting insights into ancient lives. Page 43, next page. Oh, well, this would be um, not necessarily sex as the sort of weather. I think this is the... Um, the one tool, one one body, their mother and father are from uh, Dinist, uh, Neanderthal and Denistovians. It's yeah, so, so yeah, I suppose they must have had sex if they had that child. But yeah, um, that's a bit um, you know um, salacious. Extract large chunks of ancient protein. However, you might be able to work out how our strange. Uh, persons belong to the hominid family tree. Maybe. 
Biologists have built evolutionary trees by examining similarities and differences between species, whether in terms of their physical appearance or their molecular makeup. By and large, the more similarities two species share, the more likely they are to be closely related. <sighs> True, so my whole statement then. Proteins are suitable for this sort of evolutionary analysis because animals typically produce equivalent versions of the same proteins, collagen, keratin, hemoglobin and so on. And because the sequence of amino acids within these proteins can differ slightly between species, you betcha. This means that if you extract large chunks of particular proteins from extinct hominids and read their amino acid sequences, you can use that to work out how they relate to one another. And to living humans, that's an interesting thing. That's definitely. It's, if you can imagine, it's like a pipe with the information flowing only one way. There are some caveats. Although the human body contains tens of thousands of distinct proteins, surprisingly few of these are found in the tissues that readily become fossilised. Teeth is an example. Tooth enamel preserves ancient proteins very well. But even in a living human, it contains just 10 or so different proteins, says Frido Wilkham. Also, the University of Copenhagen. Each protein is generally between 50 and 2,000 amino acids long. So, even if all the proteins found in the animal, the animal uh, proteinome, are uh, recovered in a fossil tooth, there might be a combined sequence of about 20,000 amino acids at most. For comparison, a complete ancient human uh, genome contains a genetic sequence of billions, generally 4 billion pairs long. The question is then, do ancient phenomes contain enough information to build a reliable evolutionary tree? Recent work suggests they do. So I do like that the question and answer respond to it. I do like that. There's, do, we, do we ask a question and then we come across? Over the past five years, this approach has been used to construct evolutionary trees for various ancient animals. A 2019 analysis of sloths, for instance, looks so different to conventional evolutionary trees for this group animals that, uh, that it was viewed suspiciously by some people in the field. But a second study, geneticists independently analysed sloth relations using tried and trusted DNA analysis and gave essentially the same result as the protein study. So that's... Yeah, so it's, it's one of those things that had it failed, it'd be bad, but if it passes, it doesn't tell you all that much about science distribution hypothesis. The field of paleoproteinomics, as it's known, has now moved from the realm of primates into the realm of primates. Yassi, Wilke and Enrico Capellini, the University of Copenhagen, led the analysis of ancient enamel uh, protein taken by the largest extinct apes, the gigantic Gigantophagus. The information contained suggested that there's ancient primate which lived in southeastern Asia until about 300,000 years ago was. It's interesting how these these came out. Now the interesting thing is that you've got these um, very unusual, diverse animals, but if you've got the unusual and diverse, there's not many of them related to living orangutans. An idea that matched expectations. What made the result particularly intriguing was that the Gigantopithecus, due to research, was 1.9 million years old and came from a subtropical cave in southern China. That is exactly the sort of place which Homo erectus and the idiomatic species like H. neuralde have lived 
over the past 1.9 million years. The implication is that fossils left behind might contain enough protein to work out where they fit in the hominid evolutionary tree. Quote, the gigantic Felicus study definitely pushed the boundaries of what we know about protein preservation. End quote, says Jessica Hendy of the University of York, UK. By the time the gigantic Felicus paper came out, the researchers had already moved from apes to hominids. A few months earlier, Welker and his team had published works describing the dentrine uh, proteome from a 160,000-year-old hominid jaw. The fossil, they conclude, uh, may have belonged to a denisonian. It was a conclusion with profound implications because the jawbone had been found uh, 3,280 3, metres above the level of the Tibetan plain. Perhaps they suggest the to such altitudes. Mm, interesting. Earlier this year, Wilka and Kaplan notched up another success. Their team reconstructed an animal uh, proteome of, of a tooth was potentially 950,000 years old that belonged to another poorly understood human. The Homo antecessor once lived in Spain. The, uh, the information with the proteome confirmed uh, firmed up the idea that the H antecessor was closely related to the common ancestors of our species shared with Neanderthals and the Sonians. It was spectacular proof of ancient protein really can shine a light on the murkier early chapters of our evolutionary history. Now, thoughts are turning to the contentious hominids that walked the earth more recently, particularly the Indonesian hobbit, discovered in 2003, and H. generaldi. Both lived with our species. Homo sapiens evolved about 300,000 years ago. So uh, I had 200,000 years ago, so it's only going to go. But um, show a truly bizarre mix of features. Okay. Um, H. forensis, which is the hobbit, had a chimpanzee-like brain inside a miniature Homo erectus skull, while its shoulders and wrists are reminiscent of ape-like hominids, including the famous Lucy that lived in Africa more than two million years ago. H. Norelli, meanwhile, had a brain only marginally larger than a chimpanzee's, uh, hands that looked little like Lucy, and feet very similar to those of living humans. So the hobbit's feet were very large and flat, and the modern humans are pretty amazing ones. We still have no idea whether H. philandus or H. nailed sits on the human evolutionary tree. We don't even know whether they are really are humans and ultimately descended from the species like Homo erectus, or whether they are a group with an ape-like hominids. Fresh clues. Both scenarios are plausible. The proteins should help us figure out which is right, says Welcome. This is because the amino acid sequence within proteins changes at a relatively constant rate, like a clock. It isn't a very accurate clock, he says, but comparing ancient protein sequences with similar sequences from living people, it should be possible to determine whether H. Norelli or H. Flannus branched off our family tree a few hundred thousand years ago, making them human, or more like two million years ago, uh, when the Lucy-like hominids had their heyday. Collins, now it's interesting because humans are related to humans. Humans would, could well be a very minor 
um, population. Collins says he is involved in ongoing discussions about H-neurality specimen under the drill um, to extract proteins. There are no official words on when or if the work will go ahead. However, Lee Berger at the University of Witwatersrand, South Africa, who leads the H-neurality research, says he is due to take fossil samples to Europe several months ago only for the coronavirus pandemic to thwart the plans. Within a few years, then, proteins might help some of the more inscrutable relatives find a place in the human family tree. Whether or not the scientists who study hominids' fossils will accept this evidence for protein analysis is another matter. Okay. I'm confident uh, the new data will be taken very seriously by most, says William Jukas of Stony Brook University in New York. But he adds, it probably wouldn't be, it wouldn't seem uh, to override all the evidence gleaned from the shape and fossil zones themselves. That's possibly a good thing, as molecular information is, isn't infallible, says John Hawes, the University of Wisconsin-Madison. For instance, he recalls that when geneticists first looked at sequence of the Neanderthal DNA in the late 90s, they concluded that our species didn't breed with the Neanderthals, which we now know is incorrect. But although some caution is required, ancient proteins are almost certain to be one of the next big things in human evolutionary studies. Assuming the work on H-neurality goes ahead successfully, there's potential to recover the proteins from far older fossils. Already, Wilker and his colleagues have extracted them from a 1.9 billion year old Homo erectus tooth. They, uh, they were too degraded to be useful, although Wilker says it might be because the tooth in question was damaged meaning that some of the proteins it originally contained might have been leached out. Collins says it could have been possible to extract proteins from the ape-like hominids that came before humans and use the information to work out how some of them relate to each other uh, and to us. That might seem far-fetched, but in 2016, Collins was involved in a study that successfully extracted proteins from an ostrich uh, fragments uh, collected at lead uh, Le Tolly, a 3.8 million year old site in Tanzania. Tanzania. Now, Tanz and Zanzibar, that's what Tanzania is, world famous for preserved footprints of feet left by Lucy like hominid. And that, that's the Lekis found the footprints. Quite, uh, we have such an interesting family tree with some curious critters in there, uh, in quote, says Collins quite game, but I'm pretty sure the protein work will be able to put some of them into the right evolutionary branch. That's a lovely little story. Colin Barris uh, is a new science con um, consultant based at Ann Arbor, Michigan. Extracting the insights into ancient lives is a, a bit, and I'll read this at the end. As we get a better reading of the information that contain, ancient protein fragments are telling us about how our ancient ancestors behave. For instance, the antidotes who lived in southern France during the Stone Age typically had reindeer, but early this year, an ancient protein analysis of Naomi Matos of the University of California, Davis, and her colleagues revealed the ancient humans chose to make their bone tools and ribs from anioks and bisons, although these animals were less common. Well, perhaps they would be problems with reindeer. Study all the cultural thing, sort of like upgrade. Uh, studying ancient protein, oh, you may have to cook food, 
yeah, there's heaps and heaps of different stories here. Uh, Early this year, Chevan Wilkes and the Max Planck Institute of Science of Human History in Germany and her colleagues examined protein, food proteins trapped in ancient dental plaque. They concluded that people on the eastern steep began consuming dairy produced at least 5,000 years um, ago. This means that their equally long history of dairy consumption in Europe and the Eurasian steep. And yet, while few Europeans now carry a genetic adaptation that makes digesting milk easier for the adults, few people in the Eurasian steep do. Quote, These two regions seem to take different trajectories when it comes to evolutionary selection of dairy consumption. Well, I don't know. This is um, you know, uh, real questions about the logic of that. And it's also interesting to ask why, says Jessica Hendy, University of York, a co-leader in the study. It uh, is a question she is now eager to answer. Oh, wow. Ancient proteins can even guide us to better understand the prehistoric sex lives. One of the biggest science stories of 2018 was the discovery of a 90,000-year-old bone fragment belonging to a teenage girl nicknamed Denny, who had Neanderthal mother and a Denisonian father. Um, men are from Venus and... Yeah, Although it was DNA analysis that revealed Denny's remarkable parentage, Geneticists might not have chosen to study the bone fragment if it not for the fact that ancient proteins had already shown it belonged to an ancient human. Oh, there you go. So prote- yeah, I think protein is sort of like uh, interesting studies. Thanks a lot for listening. another story comes to a close it's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you may you discover truly amazing things understand them and tell others thanks for listening